it's really, uh, it's really great to see your faces online. Good morning. Welcome to church. Um, I have to read something, so I'm not going to play, so it's going to be weird, but embrace it. Um, but I wanted to read Psalm 100, and I guess we've been reading it a lot, <laughs> but it's just so powerful and just so awesome that you can't read enough. So we're going to start off today with Psalm 100. It says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each. Father, we just invite you here. We know that you're present, but our hearts, our hearts are going to be open, and that's where our invitation is. Come into our hearts, come into our minds, come into our souls. We want to know you in a whole new way this morning, Father.
of a savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray where we hear praises he hears
Good morning. Are your souls just a little alight? A little bit? You know, there's something that you can do that even the chief enemy of this world can't do, and that is gratitude and thanksgiving. He is incapable of that. You have a great power in you to exercise that. So if today, you feel like the car didn't start. Thank you, God, I have legs. If your legs don't work, thank you, God, I can speak. You can go down the list. Here in Ecclesiastes, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity, and it is a grievous evil. If we're heaping our riches and just staring at them, other people will enjoy them we won't be allowed to enjoy them. That's where the gratitude comes in. And God gives you the ability to enjoy what he's given you. We have to turn our hearts. But that's the choice. I want to pray over our tithes and offerings real quick. Heavenly Father, Thank you for every breath that we have. And instead of using it, and Lord, this is more a lesson for me than just what I'm speaking over church body. Instead of using it to worry and complain about what may come, what I may lack, Lord, I, I choose to use it to say thank you. Lord, thank you that I am standing here. You've given me more than enough tools to work on this earth. I just need to exercise my soul. I need to practice that gratitude. Lord, please accept our tithes and offerings as an extension of that, the action Lord, we ask for your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. The ways that we give are uh, drop.
at our mailbox. We have a box outside. You can go to our church center app uh, and our website, newlifeastoria.com. And also, uh, you can sign up for table gatherings there. So if you're looking to get more richly connected with your family and God's word, that is what we are offering. But we have to exercise those muscles ourselves. Get together, break bread, remember Jesus. Um, also, uh, after service today, we will have our New Life Basics class. If you want to do anything in our church, be here after service. Thanks. So I'm going to piggyback off of what Joey was talking about with gratitude. So part of that scripture that I read this morning in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. So when you come into a city, the first thing you're going to go through is the gate. And so when we come to, come to his throne with thanksgiving, that's what posturing our heart looks like. So if we don't know how to come to him, start with, with thanksgiving. And then um, there's another scripture that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace. Sorry, that's a, for me, that's like the big part of it because I'm searching. God, I don't feel peace here. Where's, you know, I just want to rest in your, in your, you know, at your feet. But he's like, where's the thankful heart? Where's the gratitude for all the things that I've done, even the things that I've allowed in your life? And so, Father, find us this morning become, being thankful first. Not just for the things that we have, but the places that you've brought us to because we know that you have never left. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful.
that what you found? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for what you've revealed to us through your son, Jesus Christ, that there is a love that is greater than life itself. I just am so grateful, Lord God, for that love. And I just pray that we honor you today by hearing what your word has to say to us and applying it to our lives in a way that would change the world around us. Because I believe that's what your word does. It changes things. Encourage our hearts today, Lord God, with that. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I've been praying a lot about um, this moment, um, especially in regards to the challenges of the next generation. This, the next generation, um, well, I'll just say it this way. It was easier to pastor when I was a younger man 25 years ago because people still had kind of a respect for God and kind of an understanding of God. A lot of that came from their families. A lot of that came from their schools. And in the last 25 years, we've lost a lot of ground. Um, we deal with a generation now that is raised with faceless, faceless communication, like texting is the thing that they do. And texting, you can't tell emotions. So you, you know what I'm saying? So the problem is, is they don't know how to talk to one another because all they know is how to text one another. And I don't see any of those emoji smiley faces on their faces when I see them. <laughs> Not knocking the kids, they, they do smile. But I mean, I'm just saying that they're being raised with communica communicative problems that we never had. I mean, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you had to use the old rotary dial phone and be within 20 feet of it because I had a 20 foot cord, right? You couldn't go too far. This generation has been raised with what's deemed as a necessary addiction. It's called the cell phone. And it's a necessary addiction. And kids are addicted to it just like adults are addicted to it. Like you can't even sit through a church service without checking your phone because there might be something that's happening in the world that you need to know that's going on within this four, four or five hours that we're going to be here. And you got you to gotta, you gotta check. And, and we say it's necessary because we want to be connected with our kids, right? I mean... It's a scary world, and so we want our kids to have a way to connect with us, and we connect with them. But it comes with some other addictive problems that we um, kind of ignore. They've been raised with parental disconnection. I read an article that the future home is not going to have a, a place for a dinner table because families just don't eat dinner at the table anymore. So they'll just build homes without that place because there's no need for it. In fact, dining rooms are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and used as offices more often than they are as dining rooms. And so there's this parental disconnection. There's no time to sit down together and just talk as a family without a screen or without TV or without something going on to distract us. They've been raised uh, with social dysfunction. Our society is dysfunctional. And I could go for hours on society being dysfunctional, but it's just no fun. But even, even in just how people respond to each other socially, the negativity, the abuse, the, um, the, neg the negativity, I already said that. The battles back and forth between humanity that's happening in this day. It didn't happen when I was a kid. These, these things didn't, and so I'm that old man now 
that says, back when I was a kid, it was better. And we thought it was horrible. They say the good old days are the good old days, and they actually were, compared to these days, were good. They've been raised with personal confusion. They have identity issues, like they don't know who they are. I never thought that that was an issue. I was who I was. I was, was who God created me to be. But they struggle with identity. They struggle with belonging issues. What tribe is my tribe? They need to know that they belong to some group. Like they need some group. And it could be a bad group. It could be a good group. Whatever group it is, they just have this desire to belong to something, even if it's not good. They struggle with purpose. Why am I here? And they need meaning to their life. It's not enough just to grow up, get a job, find a wife, have some kids, get old together, retire, or don't ever retire. Work or, I almost said something I shouldn't say because that might be my future job. They need something more. They need more than what we were raised with. And, and I'm not saying any of that is bad. I'm saying that they have a need for a deeper purpose for their life than just to be a parent or a, 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 a worker in some factory somewhere. And yet with all of our modern technology and with all of our knowledge that's available to us, this generation struggles with anxiety, fear, and doubt more than any generation ever. In fact, the word anxious is one of the ways this generation describes itself. They describe themselves as anxious, filled with fear. It's a marker of Gen Z. In their lives, in this generation's lives, there's very few things that are stable. And everything is filled with fear. Schools used to be safe havens. We, we used to do fire drills because we were afraid the building was going to burn to the ground. And that put fear in our hearts. We did nuclear war drills where they put us underneath our desks like that little piece of wood's going to save me from a nuclear bomb. And I remember doing those things and thinking that's going to happen. They face greater fears than we ever imagined. They've gotten, things have gotten so bad that the U.S. Surgeon General issued a warning that the current mental health crisis, the current young people are struggling with a mental health crisis. We literally, as a church, are staffing more, uh, more towards the counseling side than anything because there's so much mental problems going on in our world today. They face challenges with the media, with messages and its programming that's totally opposite to, the, to the, any teaching of Jesus Christ. So anything they learn in church or anything they learn from their parents can be quickly undone by what the society's teaching. These challenges include elementary and high school programming with gender ID and social or sexual orientation. These were not issues in my day. There were certain things that you were born with that made you who you were. There was no confusion. It's not rocket science. This is leading not to a better world, but more depression, serious thoughts of suicide. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among adolescents. It is, to me, the most 
worthless way to die because you don't have to. It's such a waste. It's a waste to have people die because they just can't emotionally cope with the world. And, and it, I'm not faulting them. I'm saying this, this world has not done them better. Some experts, ex experts estimate that almost two-thirds of all teenagers are somehow involved in what's called the hookup culture, which accepts and encourages casual sexual encounters that are not personal. So no longer is it personal to be with someone, which is why porn is so popular today. The focus is on short-term physical pleasure with no commitment, no attachments. And God designed us that when we were intimate with somebody, that there would be a transference of, of ourselves into them and them into ourselves, as the scripture teaches, to become one flesh. And yet the world's teaching, no, 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 no commitment. But uh, that, with all that depressing stuff I just said, faith in God is still helping young people. It is said by uh, several who identify as religious, they report that their lives are better than their non-religious friends. Those that have some faith, or at least an idea of faith, have a better life than those who have zero faith at all. And I gotta admit, as I studied for this sermon today, or this week, this has gotta be hard on parents. You gotta wonder if it's possible to raise kids up and have any sanity at all in them. I couldn't imagine being a teacher in a public school, a teacher in any school, with whatever you're trying to teach from a morality standpoint or from a goodness standpoint, from a God standpoint, is so undone by the world that's around them. The harder part for me is I want to tell you what to do, but I, I, I know it's, it can almost sound impossible. I, I believe parents are in the most difficult position they've ever been in, and I believe teachers are in the most difficult position they've ever been in. I attribute it to, it's like watching this, a car accident, and your children are in the car, and you're outside the car, and you're watching this accident happen. And you can do nothing about the results. And only after the accident do you find out whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. We're raising our children like that. We're, we're trying to do the best we can, but it's like we're watching this thing happen. We know it's not going to turn out good, but we hope for the best. And that's all we can do is hope for. So I want to approach today simply as I can. I had big plans for today, and I had all sorts of things I wanted to do that kind of would help send the kids off to school. But I want to approach it in a more simpler form. Because I know teachers and parents are overwhelmed and students are overwhelmed by what to do about the world in which we live in. And I also know it's easier for them to give up and to give in than to fight for what's right. Because that's, come on parents. It's easier to give up and give in than to actually fight for your kids. Grandparents, it's easier to just let them become what they're going to become. What they're going to become is anxious and fear-filled. So Paul said something that I think is appropriate for this generation. I think it's actually the, the passage that every parent should 
hold on to is a promise. It's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7. Which tells us, do not be anxious about anything. That's a command, by the way. That's a command. Do not be anxious about anything. Again, another command. But in everything, by prayer and supplication or asking, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? Minds in Christ Jesus. If the struggle of the day is anxiety, the struggle is in our mind. And God says there's a way to, to solve that problem. And it's simply as, as simple as prayer. I know you wanted something deeper. I know that's what this generation longs for. They long for teachings that are deep and... You know, they, they take us in places we've never been before. And then I come up and say, you just need to teach them to pray. You just need to teach your kids to pray. See, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to at least take into consideration that this is the biblical solution for the problem of this generation. I'm going to read it one more time. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not. Don't be. But in everything, by what? Prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the result will be the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The problem of this generation is they don't know how to pray. The problem of this generation is they don't know how to pray. While the Bible's telling us that prayer produces a peace so powerful that we can't even understand it, we're raising a generation that doesn't know how to pray. I know the question then comes, how do I know this, that this is true, that prayer gives peace? In a generation who believe the truth is relative, and not only the truth, the, the truth that is stated that is relative, but... They, they believe every truth has to have an emotion tied to it. So to believe something, you've got to actually tie their emotions to it. So sometimes they pray and they don't feel anything. So that means God's not doing anything. Because they don't feel it. Because they base their facts on feelings way more than they do on what the word of God says. Again, have you prayed and received no answer and then felt like prayer doesn't work? You know, that could just be a no. Amen? But we don't teach our kids no very well, do we? We don't want them to be disappointed that God didn't answer their prayer or God didn't respond. But he was answering their prayer. He was responding to them. He just said no. But parents, how do your children respond to no? Grandparents, how do your grandchildren respond to no? We don't know because we never say no to our grandkids. And that's our right. But your responsibility is to teach them no. That's a joke, by the way. See, this is difficult to teach to a generation. This, this, and I'm talking about the generation of parents as well. That believes 
it's true. See, my generation just believes that passage of scripture is true. We believe that prayer produces peace. We believe that if we pray and make a request made known to God, that we'll have the peace of God which surpasses understanding. We believe that because it says it. But we're trying to teach a generation that doesn't believe that anything is true. And we're going to delve into that a little bit more next week. Except what they can feel or see. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when you throw faith in the mix, it really confuses them because they want to see it and they want to feel it. And so they're not going to believe it unless they see it or feel it. So it's hard to teach them that this is true and not have them feel or see. So I'm going to try it this way. I'm going to try something a little different today. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed or holy or true, be your name. Which is a statement of faith, by the way. Your kingdom come. Give us this day, each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, this is shorter than Mark, or Matthew chapter 9, um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, but it's more simple, because Luke was trying to point us to something a little bit more in, in an expanded idea of prayer, because he goes on to say this in verse 5, and he said to them, which of you has a friend who has a friend will go with him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. Now you're saying, what does this have to do with prayer? Just hold on. <laughs> somebody shows up at your house in the middle of the night, and they need some food because they, and somebody showed up, and they don't have any food, and you're their friend, so they want you to f- provide food for them because Fred Myers is closed. <laughs> does Fred Myers close? And he will answer from within. The friend will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. And I cannot get up and give you anything. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, he won't give it to you because he's a friend. Yet because of his impudence or persistence, he just wouldn't shut up. He just kept asking, come on, give me some food. Come on, give me some food. Come on, give me some food. Friendship had nothing to do with it. He, he needed to shut the guy up so he could get back to sleep. Amen? He'll rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be, will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? That's just comparison. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit who asks Him? Now, why does He mention the Holy Spirit in this passage? Because the fruit of the Spirit is peace. One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. And if anxiety is the problem and prayer is the solution, one of the things we need is the peace of God that passes all understanding. Teach them to pray. 
You want to help your kids? Teach them to pray. You want to help them with their anxiety? Teach them to pray. Prayer is the one thing the disciples asked to learn from Jesus. They didn't ask to learn anything else. They just asked to learn, teach us to pray. It's not that he didn't teach them other things. He just knew that, they just knew the one thing that they were inspired by was the way Jesus prayed. The way John's disciples prayed. Prayer was powerful to them and they wanted to learn how to pray. So, Jesus starts out teaching the basics of prayer. And I don't want to get into great detail with this because that's what most Christians are looking for. They're, they're looking for how to pray effectively because you don't want to waste your time with praying and not getting any answers. So he says, pray simply. This is what Jesus teaches. He prays simply. And I'm, I'm going to break this prayer down into, into my words. So the Lord's prayer is, Father... Hallowed be your name. That's just simply saying, I love you, Father. I love you, Father. I honor you, Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I'm your child, Father. I'm part of your kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm believing to be a part of, of, of this kingdom that's bigger than my home. Give us this day our daily bread. That's simply saying, I depend on you, Father. How many of you depend on your jobs more than you depend on God? Uh, I know, that was bad. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes you have to lose your job to find out how much you need God. Right. I depend on you, Father. It's, it's that simple. It's just praying, saying, Father, I depend upon you. Forgive as we forgive, meaning that I'm like you, Father. I'm going to be the way that you are. And lead us not into temptation. I need you to protect me, Father. That's the, the simple prayer. I love you, Father. I honor you, Father. I'm your child, Father. I depend on you, Father. I'm like you, Father. I'm obedient to you, if I could say it in that way. And I need you to protect me. Praying is simple. I know you listen to some people pray and they pray for hours and they pray these beautiful words and they just make it sound like it's so wonderful. And you want to pray just like them. You, you, you say, especially if you're a new believer, I got to be able to pray just like them. No, you don't. They're praying so they can be heard. They're just professional prayers. Like they got all the words down. I, I think of the the the... the man who came to, to God and he prayed, I'm glad I'm not like that sinner. I'm a better man and I'm a good man and I, you should bless me. And I like the other guy who comes to the Lord and says, be merciful to me, a sinner. Like, just show me mercy, God, because I'm messed up. I need you. I want you. Help me. Help me. My best prayers have been those prayers. God, help me. Help me. Help me. Not the ones that I spent hours on my knees begging God for something that I was trying to force him to do for me by the wonderful words that I speak. So he says, pray simply. Pray persistently. That's the story of the one who needed help from his friends. That was a, a huge story for the simple thing to be persistent. 
When you pray, sometimes God wants to know how bad you really want what you're asking for. How bad do you want it? Is it enough to be persistent? I, and I know we're, we're not that way. We, we like to go on our cell phones and we like to type in the, the, the search box in Google and get an answer right away. And if it's not, like, if it's not fast enough, we're mad. Right? I have 200, is it megabytes? I don't know, whatever, the 200 speed on my, on my internet at home. Why do I need 200? I remember dial-up. When it took you hours to upload anything. We've become so impatient, we've stopped being persistent. Because we want it now. I see it in Christianity. If we, if we don't get it now, then it must not be true. Could be that God's making you wait. Patience is a biblical virtue. And a fruit of the Spirit. Pray persistently. Teach them to pray persistently. Pray continuously. That's where he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and you shall, it shall be opened unto you. Don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing, the scripture says. Continuous, pray, continuously pray. Why? Why do we need to teach them to pray? Because prayer teaches them that they're never alone. That they've always got Father God to talk to. Now, I, I know this. There are times, dads, when you want to be there for your kids, and there's times that you can't be there for your kids. Don't you want them to have a father that they can trust? When you're not there, when you're not available, when you're not ready, when you're not capable, don't you want them to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them, a father in heaven who loves them more than you love them? And they can call upon him, and he can help them, and he can encourage them, and he can strengthen them? I want him to be that dad that I trust with my kids more than I trust anyone else. Amen. They're never alone. No matter where they're at, they have a father in heaven who can hear their prayers and hear their cries and respond to their needs. To bail them out, to help them out, to encourage them, to strengthen them. Prayer teaches them there's always hope. Let me read something probably going to have to grab my glasses because I can't see. How did I get that verse? We're going to find out just what it says. Nope, that's not it. Okay, so we're not going to find that. We're going to skip that verse. That was handwritten in. There's a chapter that's not even a chapter in the book. So, so I don't know where to go. There's always hope, no matter what situation they're in. When they have a father that they can talk to, a heavenly father they can communicate with, a heavenly father they can call upon him, they're always, they always have hope. That he'll hear their cries, that he'll help them, that he'll save them from whatever situation they're in. And prayer teaches them that God is a that, that peace is a response of God. Isaiah 26 3 says, 26 3, I'm having trouble. It says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
peace of God is God's response when they pray. See, if they don't find peace when they pray, they're probably not praying to the right Father. Because the peace of God passes all understanding and it keeps your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But you gotta pray. See, we wanna master techniques and approaches to prayer. We wanna know how to pray to maximize our efforts because of our energies and we wanna have great success. Prayers are answered quickly in the way we want them answered. Because that's what this generation wants. They want more information. Prayer is so simple. Prayer is so basic to the Christian life that it should be easy for us to teach. Like any father should be able to teach their child how to pray. Any mother should be able to teach their child how to pray. But see, I've also learned this. It's not enough just to know how to pray. Jesus taught that. Honestly, I think it, the, the, just learning how to do something is the greatest danger to getting people to do it. Because we're always looking for a new way. Instead of just looking for the one that we're supposed to be calling upon. And I thought about this. Wouldn't, teachers, wouldn't you love to have a classroom full of students who know how to pray? How much peace they would be at. How much comfort them, how much hope they would have. And it's not up to the teachers to teach the students how to pray. It's up to the parents to teach the students how to pray. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not up to the teachers to teach the students how to pray. It's up to the parents to teach the students how to pray. We've gotten into this idea that this, this generation says it's somebody else's responsibility to teach. Can I tell you something? Schools will teach your kids not to pray. TV will teach them not to pray. The internet will teach them not to pray. Your responsibility is to teach them to pray. So how do we do that? Let me help you. Because I don't want to overwhelm the, the parents. But I kind of do want to overwhelm the parents. Because you're giving everybody else responsibility for something that's your responsibility. If you're a grandparent... You need to teach your grandkids how to pray. What if the parents don't pray? Well, then they'll know the grandparents pray. Amen? Amen. Let, let me ask you it this way. Would you rather have your grandchild or your child be in a position to where they have no hope? They seek the wrong kind of help? Or do you want them to know that if they call upon God, that God will hear their prayers and respond to them? So how do we teach our children to pray? Have a prayer life they want to emulate. Do you know the greatest compliment you could get from your kids is, Dad, Mom, teach me how to pray. That would be the greatest compliment we could get is for our children or our grandchildren to say, I want to pray the way that you pray. Can you teach me how to do that? When I was 17 years old, my dad got into a, a Bible study and just got on fire for Jesus about prayer. And he tried, every time I went over to the house, he tried to teach me how to pray. And I thought, you're just a crazy old man. And I would, I would push Deborah into it. Or no, actually, that was earlier than Deborah. But he did do that later. Yeah, later I would push my wife on my dad because she would sit there in obedient, listening to my dad talk about the Bible. 
But I learned how to pray from him. Because my father showed me that he prayed. You got to let them see that you pray. There was a young lady who used to attend New Life in, years ago. And she told me a story about how her mom would go into her prayer closet and close the door and, and pray. And she would sit on the outside of the door crying and screaming and want to be let in. I realize the scripture says you're supposed to have a prayer closet and you're supposed to go into it. But you know what? If your kids are outside screaming at the door, let them see you pray. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear what you say. You say, well, I may not be able to speak fancy words. They're not looking for fancy words. They just want to hear that my dad or my mom is talking to a God in heaven. They're not going to think you're crazy. Let them know you pray. Let them know you pray. Tell them that you pray. Tell them, tell them when you're in stressful situations, the first thing you do is you go to prayer. Teach them to pray. Have a prayer life they want to emulate. Something that they will say, I want to be like that when I grow up. They shouldn't be looking at people in the church, not that we shouldn't, they shouldn't want to pray the way that we pray. But they should learn it from you first. Okay, that was fun. Have a prayer life they want to experience. That's God answering prayer, yes or no. When was the last time you shared an appropriate prayer, by the way, an appropriate prayer with your child that you prayed and God answered? Maybe it was a yes or a no. I think often they don't think that God works in prayer because they don't hear of any prayer experiences from anyone other than people at the church. They're watching you, parents. They're paying attention to what you're doing. They want to learn from you. So share with them appropriate prayers that you're praying and how God is responding. Tell them when God says no. How many of you had God say no to you before? How many of you told your kids? Come on. How about when he says yes? Now, we, we always want to share the yes prayers. God bless this way. God bless this way. I remember my kids, when we were starving, the church was trying to starve us out. That was a joke, by the way. It was just a joke. And they, we didn't have any food. And I remember them watching us pray for food. And then all of a sudden, food shows up on the doorstep. I mean, come on. They got to see God answer prayers because we prayed in a way that they got to see the experience or be, be part of the experience. Have a prayer life that's consistent. Scripture says to pray without ceasing. You know, if we go through difficult times, the only time we pray is when we're in difficult times. They're going to think that that's all prayer is good for. What about praying when things are good? Have you noticed you pray better when you're in trouble? It teaches a false truth about God. God's just as good in the good times as he is in the bad times. God just still wants to hear from you just as much in the good times as he does in the bad times. He's not trying to reject you in the bad times. He just, or, or just, or only operate out of the good, or the bad times. But he operates out of the good times. We've been talking about it all day, talking about being thankful. 
How many of those thankful prayers do we share with our kids? How many times have we prayed in front of our kids thanking God for them? Thanking God for their little brother who they're mad at. Now, I'm not minimizing the fact that kids need to read the Bible and attend church gatherings and do all this other stuff that we want our kids to do because we want them to do those things. But it's already overwhelming as it is. Why don't we just teach them to pray? It's so simple. And it carries a weight with them bigger than you think. Do you know for them to call upon the name of the Lord, they're going to have to pray? For them to call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They're going to need to pray. How are they going to learn how to do that? Unless you teach them. For them to have peace, they're going to need a place to cast their cares on. But they're not going to know where to cast their cares. And they're not going to know that God cares for them unless you teach them to pray. For them to have confidence, they're going to need to experience the peace of God. So if they don't pray, they'll never have the peace of God, though they'll have nothing more than anxiety. See, for them to experience it, they're going to have to do it. But if they're going to do it, they're going to do it because you're doing it first. They're watching you, parents. They, want it, they, they can tell whether you... Like flip the switch off once you leave church, you're a whole different person. In church, you're praising God, you're singing songs, you're listening to the sermon, you're, you're talking about what God's doing in your life, and then you get home and that ends. Could you imagine teaching children to play so that they pray to God confidently? And that their prayer encourages others to ask them, to teach them to pray. Could you imagine your kids getting kicked out of school for praying? I mean, wouldn't that be a day? You can give me a call. I'll go down there with you. That'll be great. I want to be a part of that. Because schools don't want your kids to pray. They're so afraid of prayer that your kids will get in trouble for doing it. That's how powerful prayer is. That it can literally give hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, and holiness to the unholy. Why do you think this world's so anti-prayer? And, why do you, and I think about this a lot. The things that are the hardest for us to do are actually easy to do, but why don't we do them? Because it's hard for us to do. So dads, I'm just going to help you with something. If you're embarrassed to pray in front of your kids, you're going to teach them not to pray. In fact, you're going to teach them to be embarrassed about prayer. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to make pretty words. You don't have to pray the way that people do up in the platform or, or in, a, in a prayer circle. Just talk to God. Pray simply, persistently, and consistently. 
So I thought about this. See, we, we, I had all these plans for today. I was going to call out the children of the church as missionaries and the teachers as missionaries. And I thought, we can do all that stuff and yet miss the point. It can all be just activity that has nothing to do with what they really need. And you know what your kids really need right now is to know how to pray. So parents, I'm going to charge you to teach your children to pray. You say, well, my, my, my spouse won't do it. Okay, you're sitting in here. You're hearing this. You do it. You teach them to pray. If, if you want, go home and have a fight over who gets to teach the kids to pray. <laughs> but it should be the dad. Dad, you should be leading that. And I'm going to charge you with, to not provoke your children under wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Teach them simply, persistently, and continuously. It's not hard to do. One of the things that we've tried to do as a church for the last year is teach you to have table gatherings where you sit one night, just one night a week where you sit together as a family and part of it is communion and part of it is prayer and part of it is a Bible lesson. We do all the work for you. All you got to do is follow the line, build a box and put your cell phones in it, first of all. But we've had nothing but fight with that because... Well, you want somebody else to teach your children to pray. We want you to teach your children to pray. You can do this. It is possible. Don't provoke your children under wrath. Don't leave them in a position to where they've got nobody to get a hold of because they, can't, they don't know to call upon God. I challenge the students in the room to pray without fear. And I'll probably get in trouble for this, but pray out loud if you want to. You're talking to God. Don't worry about what anybody else hears. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be a jerk. But don't be afraid to pray. Because you're talking to your Heavenly Father. You're talking to God. And He wants to hear your voice. If you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with stress, if you're struggling with a test, call upon God. Now, don't not study for your test and then expect God to give you all the answers. He doesn't operate that way. Press through your doubts and try God. I, I would just say this as, as a kid. Just try God. Just call upon him. See how he responds. Put your problems in his hands and you'll see the promises of God come true and it'll give you the, he'll give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. I challenge the teachers in the room. To believe that God could give you a classroom filled with students that are filled with faith, not with fear. I, I, I just couldn't imagine how different it would be for the teachers of our society if they had a bunch of children that had faith in God. Or at least the kids that are part of this church 
would be in their classrooms and they would be the kind of kids that have confidence and strength and courage because they know that they can call upon their father in heaven. And I'm calling the church out. Again, we were going to, I've kind of made some changes in what we're going to do and I'll explain that in a minute. But I could, we could have had an activity where we went to the schools and we prayed for the school and that would have been a great activity but a third of you would have shown up if that many because I know how this works. But the greatest mission field we have in this world right now is a generation filled with so much anxiety and fear that they're wanting to kill themselves. That means the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes really good news to people that have no good news. And if we've got generations of children that are struggling with stress and fear and anxiety, we've got the solution and the answer to that problem. His name is Jesus. But they've got to know how to pray. So church, we're not going to do what we were going to do. I'm going to call you to pray alongside the students of this church, the teachers, others connected with teaching children. That the good news of Jesus Christ would be heard throughout our community, through, the, through our children, teens, and young adults. We can't, we can't solve America's problems. We can solve Astoria's problems. At least we can attempt to. So what we're going to do, we're going to make part of our service every week where we're going to sponsor school for weekly prayer as a mission field. And I'm going to ask you to do something that is on you. Why don't you just, and I'll talk to the, the grandparents that don't have kids at home. Or maybe you're an adult and you don't have any children. Find a school, pull alongside it, and pray for the people that are in it. You don't have to have a whole group of other, other Christians with you. You can if you want. You can gather a bunch of other Christians if you want. But if weekly we prayed for our schools, I think they'd have a different result. Prayed for the students inside of it. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the others connected with the teaching. We've got home schools we're going to pray for. We've got private schools we're going to pray for. We've got public schools we're going to pray for. But we're literally, every week, we're going to have one school that we focus on. And this will go throughout the year. Because I believe that schools are a great mission field. When there's so much hopelessness, we have the answer. We have the solution. His name is Jesus Christ. Parents, teach them to pray. And we'll pray for you. Let's pray. Let's stand, please. Father, it is sad for me to think that we have the solution to the problem. But we don't seek to impart that into our children's lives. I believe there's parents in this room that want 
their kids to know how to pray. But we've got to stop being so fearful and being embarrassed in front of them because we may not say the words right. I think in a world where kids are looking for something to hope in, if we give them some hope, because if, if I can ramble through a prayer and still believe that God hears me, they as children can ramble through a prayer and believe that God hears them. Just because they don't have the fancy words and the fancy ways doesn't mean God doesn't hear everything that comes up to him. So Father, I pray for the fathers especially. Let them not be ashamed of you. Let them not be embarrassed by the way they pray. Just let them trust in the one they're praying in with. I pray for the moms. So many children grow up believing in Jesus because of their mother's faith. Let them not be ashamed to pray. Before they drop their kids off at school every day, let them pray with the kids. And let them not just pray for their kids, let them pray for all kids. Father, the greatest mission field we have in the world right now is our children. I heard this morning that one-third of New Life Church is children. It's our next generation. It's our mission field, Father. It's the ones that we need to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. But it starts in the home. Father, we can do this. As a church, we can pray over the mission fields of this community. We believe that your word can make an impact on them. Father, teach us to pray so we can teach them to pray. so that we will have a peace that passes all understanding. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, we pray. All God's people said, you may be seated for one last second. I, I want to do something real quick. If you're a teacher, if you have any teachers in the room, would you stand? Let's pray for some teachers. Joey, come on up and have you help me. Where's Derek? Derek, come on down. Let's pray for the teachers. Check. Father, I believe one of the most difficult jobs in the world today is to teach children. They have to see things that are difficult. They get to see hurting children every day, broken children every day, suffering children every day. They get to see children without hope or help 
or happiness. So encourage their hearts today, Lord God, to not give in to the negativity that surrounds them. Lord, maybe through their prayers, just just give them an extra ounce of grace if you can. To be able to let these children know that there is a God that loves them. And it's the God of these teachers. Give them the courage to live their faith out the best they can in the situation they're in. Let them not be ashamed of the gospel. Let them not be afraid of the world. Give them courage and strength, Father. I love them for what they do. Encourage their hearts, Father. And if they need to know how to pray, teach them to pray. We love you, and Jesus, we pray for our teachers. And all God's people said, teachers, you may be seated. If you are a student, would you stand? Would you pray for the students? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your creation. Not just our children, your children. Lord, they're going into another year. I ask that you bless them with the characters of Christ, that they have patience, kindness, gratitude, that it precedes them before they interact with anybody, before they embark on any uh, project, relationship, sport, adventure, whatever they're about to get into this year, Lord, I ask for your blessing on it and that you guide them. Lord, most of all, I ask and even if it comes with, um, with some difficulty, the gift of humility, that our children, your children, be humbled in their position and give honor to those that they are to give honor to and that they humble themselves towards you that they learn and receive that peace that you give to a humble heart. Lord, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Derek, would you pray for the church? Father, um, I'm just reminded this morning that we We are in this world, but we are not of it. We we are not the children of this culture, but we are are your children. So Father, 
I just ask that you continue to be the good father that you are. And when you see us stray from your word, from your character, that you would pull us back in. Father, we are, we are very imperfect people, but we have a perfect father. Yes. And that brings such hope to know that we have, we have a dad with a perfect plan for us. I just thank you, God. Father, I, I, I pray that we would, we, we just want, your desire is that everyone would be your children. Everyone would come to know you. So, Father, give us the courage and the strength to carry out your work. There are so many you want to reach, Father. Just give us your spirit. Thank you. Amen. If you're a parent, would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Father, they can do this. I know for some of them, they might be saying, I, I, I can't, I, I, don't, I don't know how. Jesus taught you how. If you need more help, Father, encourage them to come to us and we'll maybe explain it a little more simply. But I believe every child wants to hear their father pray. And every child wants to know their mother prays. There's so much hope in prayer. There's so much help in prayer. There's so much peace in prayer. We've just got to do it. So just encourage them. If they're uncomfortable to seek help, if they have questions to ask. But more than anything, that they would just do it. That they would be the examples their children desperately need to survive in this world that is crazy. Father, answer their prayers too. Maybe give them a special amount of grace right now. That their children can hear the stories of how you, you showed up and you helped and encouraged and strengthened. Father, be with the husbands and be with the wives. Be with the grandparents, Lord God. Let us all be examples to our children of what it means to have peace. That we don't let anxiety rule in our lives because we know that we can just pray to our Father in heaven who is holy and righteous. That we are a part of his family, that we're a part of his kingdom. that we're submissive to his will, that we want God's will in our life. And that would be to have peace because he's our God. We depend upon you, God. We depend upon you to make this successful. We depend upon you to help our children see the value of prayer and the peace that passes all understanding. Forgive us as we forgive. Encourage us as we seek to 
teach our children how to have peace. Pray for the teachers in the schools one more time, Father, just one last time. Guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Let the greatest mission field, I believe, that is available right now hear the good news of Jesus Christ and find hope in Him. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Guys, have a great day. School's starting. Be praying for you all week. Next week, we'll start praying for schools. Have a great week. God bless. Quick announcement. Sorry. Uh, We have New Life Basics going on right after service here. So uh, stand by. And Pastor Angelo will lead us through that.